0: Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you.
1: Helping you wake up, remembering this is our Father's world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio.
2: Good
0: morning. Good morning. What are you thinking about this morning? Are you already thinking about what you're thinking about? How are you thinking about what you're thinking about? God's thinking about you today. He's got you not only uh, on his mind, but uh, held in the very palm of his hand. You're on his heart. Consider that for just a moment. Whatever else you've got in front of you today, you're not alone. God's not just present with you. You, um, You are with him. So no matter what you are facing, you're not facing it alone. So just encourage you with that this morning. Our growing your faith verse of the day comes from Ephesians chapter five, verses fifteen and fifteen to seventeen. This is a if you actually just like write this down as a list of statements, it's it's good mindfulness uh, in terms of how we approach our walk of faith. So Paul says to the first. Church in Ephesus. And then, you know, because God continues to speak through that, that He has already spoken, God says this to us today as well. Be careful how you live. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So be careful be full of care, actually care about how you live. So when it comes to how you live, how careful are you? A lot of people pursuing carefree living, carefree, free from all care. Mm -mm. Christians, we're going to live careful, full of care. We're going to care about how we are living because how we are living is a demonstration, a is a provisional demonstration of the kingdom of heaven in the midst of the kingdoms of this world. It is a re-presentation, represent, representatives, that's what that is, a re-presentation of Christ to the world. So we have to be careful, full of care about how we live because we have a responsibility to represent Christ. So how are we presenting Christ today? Well, in order to present Christ, I can't be foolish. I gotta... <laughs> I gotta have the very wisdom of God. And then Paul says, make the most of every opportunity. Are you making the most of every opportunity in these days? I mean, we recognize the days are evil, like that doesn't take a lot to see, but are we making the most of every opportunity in the midst of these evil days? What does that look like? What does it look like to make the most of every opportunity to advance the gospel always and in all ways, to show forth Jesus, to make his name famous, to serve others? What, what does it look like to make the most of every opportunity to let not one moment be wasted? That doesn't mean we don't rest, but it does mean we don't waste the precious time God has given us in this day. And then Paul says, don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. So we have to think about what we're thinking about. We actually have to give thought as we give every thought captive to Christ, right? We have to think about what we're thinking about and then think about how we're thinking about it. And then after we've given thought to what the Lord wants us to do, guess what? We actually have to do it. There's an obedience component to this. So uh, so there you go. Uh, be careful how you live today. Don't live like fools, but like those who are wise. Make the most of every opportunity, yeah, the days are evil. Make the most of every opportunity to advance the gospel and don't act thoughtlessly. Understand what the Lord wants you to do. All right, we got a lot going on today. Uh, let me say this, Kim Scobie is on the text line bright and early today, 877-933-2484, making good on her commitment yesterday to bring forth a summer succotash zucchini recipe so that I can hide some of my uh, zucchini and maybe other things in it. So here you go. You're going to need one yellow zucchini cut in half moons. Oh my goodness. All right. There's even like going to have to be cutting instructions here. One green pepper diced, one red pepper diced, one cup of corn, preferably cut off the cob. And yes, and I would say preferably super sweet. One small red onion cut into half circles. I wonder how that's different than half moons. Do I cut half Circles and then cut them in half to make half moons. Mm-hmm. I might need more cooking instruction here, uh, Kim, on uh, on this recipe. A half a cup of assorted fresh herbs: thyme, rosemary, chives. Mm-hmm. That's apparently the assortment. Uh, a quarter cup of honey mustard, a quarter cup of olive oil. It seems like a lot of olive oil. Okay, salt and pepper to taste. Um, oh my goodness, basil chiffonade for garnish. <laughs> Clearly, clearly I need more. I need this is like a fancy recipe. Okay. I love it. Thank you so very much. Um, Kim says of this credit for this amazing recipe goes to Tim Poland. He is a cook at the Presbyterian homes serving our seniors in the great state of Minnesota. Uh, so we want um we want this uh, during summer. What is maybe your favorite taste and see that the Lord is good? summer favorite watermelon tomatoes from the vine cucumber salad all things rhubarb what gets your mouth watering in the summer i'm gonna ask nick pitts up next you're listening to mornings with carmen all right our friend nick pitts is back nick what is your favorite summer tasty treat what gets your mouth watering in the summer
2: Oh, Carmen, I hate to brag on a Tuesday morning, but I don't when talking about watermelon. Mm-hmm. I am. I, you know, I am not. Uh, I am not like the bear. I am not a sous chef. I'm not a award winning cook in any stretch of the imagination. But I know how to cut a watermelon quickly and efficiently. And really? I know how to devour one even better. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This comes from a Wait. long line of parents getting so tired of me eating watermelon too quickly that i learned how to cut it and lo and behold i've got a system down now and i can i i say i probably on my third watermelon in the past two weeks right now i'm like down in
0: that do you have um a youtube channel nick pitts because this seems like something that's youtube worthy uh, you know,
2: I some people want to go viral and want the same. Others just want to <laughs> talk about it and, and just keep as humble as possible, knowing it just would go to my head. So no, don't have a YouTube <laughs> channel, but my goodness, I know how to cut a watermelon now.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Okay, what we're demonstrating right now is our ability to be curious about one one another and to talk about things. So we're actually Nick and I are gonna talk this morning about talking because we're both good talkers. And I met a young man over this past weekend, Nick, who is twenty two years old and um homeschooled, raised in a, a in a rural community, um works in the same very, very, very small uh, manufacturing um, center as his dad and so his conversational opportunities are really limited, and so his conversational skills need to be developed. He acknowledges that he wants to um develop those skills. And so I thought, you know what? Nick Pitts is one of the best conversationalists I know in all the world. So I wanted to talk with you about talking.
2: Oh yeah. I am uh, I I have developed a hone and keen sense of being able to talk just simply because there is just a uh am <laughs> just I there's no such thing as a boring thing, right? There is and there's nothing right. more boring than a conversation in which two people agree, according to Montaigne. And so I, I, at the end of the day, like you said, you you just want to be driven by curiosity. Um, It's uh, just understanding and being compelled by the idea that no one shows up in front of you by chance and that that person has a particular journey that they've been on that brings them to this particular point. And you're surrounded by uh, circumstances that just beg for questions to be asked so that uh, responses can be drawn.
0: Yeah, I think the um, let curiosity compel you is really, really good. Um, and, and you do have to really think more about the other person than you do about yourself. There does have you have to develop this, um, this sense that other people not only have a story, but they want to share, like they want to talk about themselves. Oh, yeah. And so if you, if you're genuinely curious, and you ask questions, I and that was the I encouraged him. My one encouragement that I could think of in the moment was have a question ready to go, like enter your day. I mean, if you have to write it down and put it in your pocket, then do that. But like, what's a question I could ask people today? And I I like the one that you just raised, even in that description. What brought you to this point? Like, because that's that's a question that people could answer. What brought you to this point you know that we're both standing in the same place at the same time what brought you to this point in life what brought you to this point in your career what brought you to this point in your walk of faith like what brought you to this point is a good open-ended con- uh, open-ended question that compels a story
2: oh yeah and and one of the things that I'm just keenly aware is one I I want to be aware that the other person has a story and I want to try to get that but I'm also keenly aware that some people just don't like talking about themselves openly that and that's okay mm-hmm. that's fine mm-hmm. and so when you you'll quickly realize that when they're not giving you those responses and in turn that opens up an opportunity maybe they don't want to talk about themselves but they'd be more than willing to comment on particular things or issues and so once I realize there's just a, a point that you become aware that they don't want to talk about themselves then it becomes the shift of okay this person's very obvious that they don't want to tell me about Clarksville Tennessee where they're from <laughs> So then maybe I open up and say, man, it's been very different moving to the big city of Dallas. You slowly begin to talk about yourself, but it's only to the extent that hopefully it can provide them an opportunity to chime in with their opinion of the new subject that you've just brought up. I'm seeing this all the time. Like, Right now, with this whole day school thing with uh, with little Dotty that we're entering into as uh, my wife's going back to work. we're in this day school there's all these new new people some might call them strangers, but I call them future friends um are are i'm surrounded by uh, pickups and these orientations etc and it's just an opportunity for us to find that commonality which all our kids are at the same school but then in turn trying to build bridges to move from okay you've got a kid but that means you've also got a partner how'd you and your partner mate are y'all originally from here in the area etc etc
0: yeah because we're not from here like right that's part of that conversation maybe um so you bring up dallas which see would then lead me to say, oh, I just met this most amazing person this past weekend who is from Dallas. And so I don't know if you know him yet, but because you're my friend and now he's my friend, I want the two of y'all to be friends. And his name is Greg Campbell. And so this is, um, right? So now I'm just demonstrating how you move in a conversation by listening to the other person and letting that um, inspire something in you, spark something in you. And then you bring that forward. And who knows, you might end up with a common friend that you have already. If you've got a Christian that you're talking with, you definitely have a friend in common and his name is Jesus. And you can always talk about Jesus, like, right, with a, with a, with another Christian. So, um, Nick and I will, uh, continue this conversation about talking the next time we talk. But right now we have to take (laughs) a very, very brief break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about technology. How do you keep technology as your servant? And do not allow it to become your master. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at myfaithradio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All right, we're continuing our conversation with Nick Pitts, who might have just gotten out pitched by Paul Perot. Mm-hmm. Uh, you guys, I missed I the golden opportunity. Golden man, Toby Keith, dude, Toby Keith. Uh,
2: I'm over here trying to talk about angels like the Black Crows <laughs> and all things divine. Here you are talking about an Oklahoma cowboy country singer, but nevertheless, here you are. <laughs>
0: Uh, All right. For all of you that missed all of those cultural references, don't worry. I did, too. So part of conversation is just enjoying when other people that you're with are talking about something you don't know anything about and enjoying their joy. All right. Is that fair, guys? Mm -hmm. Fair enough. Mm Yeah. Does it take too long? It takes way too long to bring Carmen up to speed on actual cultural things. So here you go. Nick, we're going to talk about technology. Um, The Amish. The Amish. Uh, So... My husband will, frankly, say with some regularity, I mean, I hear this at least once a quarter, like, how does this impact the Amish? And, the, and then the answer will be not at all, because it will be something in relationship to technology or something. We're all all consumed about and worried about that. You know, they're not worried about it because they're not dealing with it. So they the Amish apparently made this, you know, kind of deal with with each other that they were going to watch what happened with a piece of technology over the course of time, and they would only adopt it when they decided um, that they wanted to have it affect them in the ways that they saw that it affected people. So it's not that the Amish don't ever adopt a technology. They're just not early adopters. And so progress is inevitable. We talk about technology being our servant and not our master. Can you help us um, navigate a little of this terrain today?
2: Yeah, when I, when I think about the Amish and their slow adoption of technology and their keen awareness and understanding of how it impacts others' lives, you can't help but think about the men of Issachar, right? These are individuals mm. that understood, understood the times. And what we're seeing with the Amish and what we're seeing today with how technology, again, it's it's, technology is a. It can be a great supplement. It can be a great tool. But all too often, right now, uh, we're not the ones using the tool, but technology is using us and putting us in places that really does hinder not only the joy that our our God gave to get our God died to give us, but also the enrichment and enjoyment of utilizing our skills in this world to to make it a better place and to create a deeper well of joy in our own lives. And so, I, I'm just keenly aware of. One, is this, is this beneficial? Is it glorifying to God? Is it beneficial for me to use? And then two, how can I use it in such a way that it I don't get used by it? So I, I think about, there's just certain mediums today. Like I'm keenly aware of, I'm so grateful for my iPhone, for example, because my iPhone allows me to connect with family members uh, near and far quickly uh, in an instantaneous second. But I'm also keenly understanding of, well, this thing can just be a, black hole I can start doom scrolling down on social media apps I can go into all this comparison and so on my phone I've got two particular folders if I'm just going for um areas of like if I just have some downtime one it's with my books app because I've got goals of how many books I want to read uh every week and then two I've got what I call waste of time folder which quite literally is just a reminder for me when I get on most of the time when I get on social media it's a waste of time. It's just, it's not beneficial. Uh, and I've had to realize, okay, be aware. How do I want to, how do I want to use technology? Because I realize I only have one life to live and I want to use it really well. And I'm the youngest that I'll ever be today. And I want to make sure that I, I squeeze the most out of this day. Like it's an orange and I'm drinking deeply of the orange juice.
0: Which makes me um, so grateful that you choose to spend time with us, because oh, you are have it any yeah, other right. You're a person who values the time that you have to spend, and you're making intentional choices about how you spend your time, and you're choosing to spend time with us right now. And so we're so grateful for that, Nick. Thank you. Um, thank you for counting this as uh, as valuable. That, that that genuinely like that means a lot. One of the terms that I learned this week. <clears throat> I wasn't familiar with the term doom piles. Um I guess like we have oh, yeah. junk drawers in our in our houses, doom piles are like digital clutter folders. Um I I have do I now can say I I now that I know what to call them, I have doom piles.
2: Oh, my goodness. How, how many of us don't have either folders on our desktops or on our cloud computing and our clouds? Or we've just got by the end of a week, or by the end of a project, our desktop just looks like scattered. It looks like it looks like a field after a festival has been taken place, just <laughs> scattered with garbage <laughs> all over it. And I am just, I am keenly aware. Like I know that's of myself. I just, I know that I, am not the greatest organizer in person, and it can become, it can just become very overwhelming to where you don't want to even uh, deal with it. But again, that's another part of how technology can just be, a, a, it can be a great tool for us. Don't get me wrong, but it can also be just a, a real inhibitor of joy that we've been given by God.
0: All right. I'm going to lift up to you um, one, there's several good books on this topic, but I'm going to lift up uh, Andy Crouch, The TechWise Family. Um, we then had a follow-up conversation with his daughter after she reflected on being raised in the TechWise Family and uh, and her um adaptation to particular technologies when she was in graduate school. Um, and so there there are opportunities for us to have these conversations when we talk uh, every other Friday with Chris Martin, and he helps us engage appropriately as social beings on the social internet um, and how we bear witness, positive witness there as Christians. Remembering always that, like, we're the product on social media, um you know, there there are no products available. You are the product. If it's coming to you free, it's because it's because you are the way they are making money. So there are moral choices that we make when we engage with technology. And we just want to encourage you today to um, focus on keeping technology as your servant and not allowing it to become your master. So you very gotta, true.
2: Yeah.
0: All so right, very Nick, true. As we uh as we part ways today. Um, I just, I'm, I'm just kind of in awe and amazed that Dottie's already like big enough to be handed off to somebody else. And I also oh, know my goodness, I that's know. excruciating.
2: Oh yeah. Like one of the cool things though, is, so speaking technology and then bring in Dottie, we've created an email address for her. And so it's kind of neat. She'll probably be overwhelmed if she's anything like her father, when she sees all the emails of sent her. And when she finally gets an email, she finally gets to access the email, but I like to send her like little articles or little notes because obviously she doesn't respond very well right now. Um, so it's just like a, like I'm a, I'm just wanting to make sure that she has a backlog of how I've been thinking and how I've been feeling about her and like the news of the day or articles that I find interesting for her or the fact that she's only going to have a flip phone when she's 15 because I'm so scared of what's out there on smartphones. And so, um, it's been it's been neat to figure out this parenting thing and to try to be as intentional as possible to shoot this arrow as hard as I can towards the glory of God and the joy of her soul.
0: I love that. Um praying for you guys. Um I'm also, you know, I'm praying for um the people in Dottie's future, like everybody else that has little people right now or are conceiving of little people, those are gonna be Dottie's people. And so we wanna be praying for each other as you are. Um, parenting or grandparenting or shepherding the hearts and minds of tiny little people. Um, we, uh, we just recognize that it's just not that far into the future that they're going to be walking and talking among us and influencing us. And so let's have a very, very positive influence on each and every one of their, their little lives as they grow into the people that God has created and calls them to be. Nick, we, uh, we love you. We love your family. Um, and so blessings on you as you walk your faith out into the world today.
2: So grateful for y'all. Y'all have a great day.
0: Yeah. Thanks so much for your time. Let's uh, take a moment to go upwards with Max Lucado. All right. Here's an interesting note on the uh, text line about, you know, isn't, isn't God the one that gives us the discovery of new technology? I think the will of God is a good thing to consider when we're talking about technology. Um, you know, and there are these various wills of God. Maybe that's a conversation we should circle back around to at one point. Like, there's, you know, does God actually will whether or not you get a parking spot as close to the door as you think you want or need? I mean, is that, you know, and so there's the there's the will of God at that level, and then, you know, there is the ultimate will of God, which is going to be done over the scope of all of, um, of all of history. And so, yeah, that gospel redemptive arc will of God that, uh, you know, that everyone would be saved. Like those those things that are in the heart of God, um, it's God's heart's desire that everyone would be saved. Is everyone going to be saved? No, because we have the freedom of the human will. And so when the freedom of the human will is operating, there are um, there are things that happen that are outside of God's will. I mean, that's sin. That is what that is. There would be no sin if God willed his will and made his will happen, like he made it happen through us all the time. So when you, when you ask the question like, isn't God the one who gives us the discovery of new technology? Well, um, is every evil that was conceived of by man, which grieved the heart of God so much that at one point he was sorry that he made us, like the technologies that they were developing at, the, at that time were all of those discoveries um, within God's will. So do you see how discernment is necessary? You can't just throw a blanket out there over something and say, you know, God's the one who lets us discover everything. So everything's worth discovering. You know, the the whole the entire ethical conversation about vaccines centers on whether or not you should use a vaccine today because a generation ago, um, aborted fetuses were used to uh, to derive the cell lines, <clears throat> the you know, the. Legacy of which is still used in vaccine development today. Is it still aborted fetuses? No. Um, Are those cell lines still preserved? Yes. Does God give us the discovery of that new technology? So whoever this is on the text line that asked that question, try to apply it to the complexity of the technology being developed Um, Our vaccines wonderful? Yeah. I mean, we have a new malaria vaccine. I don't actually know how it was developed. So please don't attach this to the vaccine, the the conversation about aborted fetuses. But I don't know how the malaria vaccine was developed, but we now have a malaria vaccine and UNICEF is going to start rolling it out, you know, like 18 million doses. Um, And so that's amazing. It's going to save a ton of lives. Do I believe that God gives us that kind of technology? Yes. Do I point to the ways in which we develop all all of our technologies as God ordained and God blessed? No, because we do evil, evil, evil things sometimes to develop the technologies that we have. And sometimes those technologies are used in extraordinarily evil ways. I guess if you haven't seen the Oppenheimer movie, maybe that would be a a segue conversation there in terms of what's happening in the culture. All right. I am am completely off track here for a moment. Our friend Luke Moon is going to join us next. We're going to survey a few things that are happening around the world if you haven't yet heard about um you know sort of what's going on right now on the very front of the war um, between russia and ukraine there's been a bridge collapse and there's also been the uh, subsequent collapse of a grain deal and that is going to have impacts on hungry people around the world so that's up next on mornings with carmen Our friend Luke Moon is back with us today. Where in the world are you today, Luke?
1: Well, I'm in Washington, D.C.
0: What are you doing in Washington, D.C.? If we're allowed to ask. If it's some secret, yeah, you know, thing, then, no. you know, don't tell us.
1: You can, you can ask. I mean, it's always there's lots of stuff secret. There's uh, I'm here also <laughs> for the... Uh, the oh, were well, you United- at the...
0: Yeah, I was going to just say I heard that Christians United for Israel had a big event. So that's they why you're did. There, they did one of the reasons. They did.
1: Had, they had their summit, their annual summit, it's well attended. I was pretty impressed. So.
0: Awesome. Yeah. Awesome. All right, um I'm hoping that you have um at least uh at least one eye on what's going on um in Ukraine, particularly in Crimea. Can you read us in on the bridge that um has now been collapsed because of a drone strike?
1: Yes. Uh, there is a bridge that links uh, Crimea, which is a peninsula on the southern, like southern coast, basically of of Ukraine, and it connects uh, Crimea with Russia. It's a major supply line for the Russian military to get for stuff into Crimea that they can then use to push kind of from the south. And uh, there has been a lot of attempts to try and. Uh, you know, attack that bridge, uh, they, the Ukrainian uh, Spicers and Navy succeeded uh, the other day, and they, they took out a, a pylon, which knocked out one of the, of the, the major uh, roadway, highway sections, and uh, now it's sitting at the bottom of the water. So it's a, it will likely, this happened already um, last year. You know, it took several months to get it back up. Yeah, I suspect this will be the same. Um, it's a it's a fairly shallow water, so it's not real real hard to uh, repair. Uh, it's not like it's you know uh, there's a really strong currents or anything like that. So I expect that you know things will get back up again here in a in a you know month or so. But it was uh, it's it's important that that particularly supply line is much it's it's now deteriorated.
0: So maybe more significantly than than the bridge, which can fairly easily be repaired as you've described. Um, Russia has pulled out of a grain deal that was negotiated by the UN. Um, this is going to really significantly affect people around the world who are relying on um, grains from this region for just the most basic of foods.
1: Yes, uh, that was, I mean, it was, it was a pact called the uh, Ukraine, uh, Ukraine grain pact, I think is what it was called. And it was basically allowed for uh, the export of grain from, from Ukraine via ship. Uh, the ships would be inspected by Ukrainian, Russian, and Turkish uh Uh, basically officials. They would go on, make sure there's no weapons uh, being smuggled into Ukraine on these ships. The Ships would pull up, they would load up with grain and then take off and then be exported uh, in Turkey uh, where they would be kind of sent out from there. Uh, I mean, it's quite significant because Ukraine uh, provides 10% of the world wheat and uh, 15% of the world's corn. And 13% of the world's barley, um, and it will it will actually really impact prices of grain. Not only you know in places, uh, third world places where you know where where wheat is subsidized by governments, which is which will be very difficult for them to pay for, but just here at home uh year on year uh our own bread is up 11% uh, report i saw yesterday and if this continues without any uh, the the pact isn't renewed or negotiations aren't uh settled uh, you can see those prices go up uh, quite significantly again
0: i remember um a, a number of years ago uh i was in i was in dc probably with you for something and um, and walking down, you know, the hallway of the Capitol building, there were this, you know, group of people. And, um, you know, as as there are, you, you know how this happens on Capitol Hill. And yes. um, and they all had these little sunflower um, lapel pens, which drew my attention. And I said, I love your lapel pens like that. Those are those are the best lapel pens I've seen all day. And they were advocating on behalf of American Um, Farmers like they were like I think I feel like they were from North Dakota Um, and and they were advocating um, on the hill that, you know, they get some help to uh, to start growing like sunflowers in massive, massive amounts. Right. You know, at commercial levels because they and they were pointing to. Like un, you know, potential unrest in places where most of the sunflower oil comes from, and how dependent the world is on it. So I was holding out hope as I was reading this. I'm like, I'm hoping those guys got their way. Like, right? I'm hoping, I'm hoping <laughs> that out there, there's there's like sunflower production in America, um, and that we can we can do our part. America has such great fertile land, and so I'm hoping that one of the things we can be inspired to do in response to Russia's action. Um, and I know you can't grow wheat overnight. But you can plant sunflowers today, Um, you know, like corn, wheat, sunflowers, barley. These are the major crops that um, are now going to be blockaded from uh, from export uh, in Ukraine and upon which um, the world depends for food. And so maybe it will encourage somebody listening today to uh, plant a fallow field in something that might uh, might produce for the good around the world.
1: Yeah, no, it's important. You know, I've been to several countries in the world, Carmen. Uh, I I mean, I think Egypt does this, where every day uh, there is bread. Basically, you can get free bread. Free, like it's pita. But, Mm. you know, it's just available. It's basically uh, subsidized by the government uh, for people to eat. And, you know, we're we're fortunate. I I read one time that the average uh, meal of a grown man in the middle ages was 12 loaves of bread a day. Um, fortunately, say that, we don't one, have, say
0: that one more time. Cause we, we, you, you cut out there for just a second.
1: Yeah. The, the average consumption of, of in the middle ages of a grown man was 12 loaves of bread per day. Yeah. Mm. 12 loaves. And which thank God I don't have to eat 12 loaves of bread every day, but, but, it's it's been a major staple for humanity.
0: Do you think a loaf was like? Do you think a loaf was like a, a, a more more like a, a like a roll today? Like a baguette, I feel like a loaf of like bread. A large... was, and yet, yeah, 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 yeah. That's what I'm I thinking. Mean. I'm thinking that it was not. It's not bread like we think of bread. It's not a I, loaf but, like we think of a loaf. You think? Right. Like might not we have cut been it like,
2: like yeah. Not a yeah.
1: full loaf. You get Maybe it. more like a half
0: loaf. Have you seen the half loaf?
1: Yeah maybe. Have maybe you, have you have been to a
0: grocery point. store lately and like seen seen a half mhm I think I, I feel yeah. like yeah mm-hmm. was, which could lead us to a, a conversation about actually how the how the food on the um on the on the table of the last supper which of course you and I would argue about you know table but anyway what the table looks like and whether or not the guys were sitting in chairs and all that. of course they weren't but you know the 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 representations of the last supper in art apparently over centuries the meal on the table has like physically grown like the food, the, the caloric level of the food on the table has multiplied over time. And so, yeah, I think more and more people should go um, with Luke to Israel so you can see what a real meal would have looked like at a real table in real time. Yes. That'll be my pitch for people to... Caloric
1: too. intake these days at at the meals in which I bring people to Israel and they consume is is probably, uh, what, four or five times the number of what would have happened.
0: It's the definitely not. It definitely goes beyond what is necessary. <laughs> no yeah, so question about So good. Time. It's so good every time. Um, all right. We're going to continue our conversation with Luke Moon here in just a moment. Um, you can find him at the Philos Project, phelosproject.org. You can also find him at Providence Mag. For those of you who are listening and you're like, where's the intersection of U.S. Foreign Affairs and the Christian Faith. Yep, that's at Providence Mag. It's Providence Magazine. They, you can find them online, providencemag.com. We're going to continue our conversation here in just a moment. Um, we're going to talk about, you know, double checking that email address before you hit send. Yeah, when you're sending something to a member of the military, it's MIL, not ML. While we're gone, uh, while we're stepped away for here for just a second, you can check out where those emails are landing if all you put is ML. Mm -hmm. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. As we consider the life of Jesus and the life of the first generation of Christians, reading here the book of Acts and all the letters to the Christians in the New Testament, we see people who, like, wake up. They come to see and understand and then receive Jesus as their Savior and Lord. And it changes everything. We see Christians then telling other people about the good news and inviting them to respond in repentance, be baptized, and follow Jesus. The movement of Christianity grows person by person and then exponentially as people walking in darkness receive the light of Christ and want others to know what they know and have what they have. Well, you and I are living in dark days. People need light. And Jesus is the light of the world today in the same way that he was the light of the world at the beginning of creation and at the first Christmas and throughout his life on earth and in his radiance now at the right hand of the Father. Jesus is the light of the world. So if you're walking in darkness of any kind today, I invite you to consider Jesus. If you'd like to know more about what it means to begin a relationship with Christ or to chat with someone about it. Just text the word FAITH to 41224. All right, we are talking with our friend Luke Moon from the Phelos Project. Luke, we have a lot of people on the text line uh, literally weighing in on sunflowers and where they're grown. So the top U.S. states in total sunflower production, North Dakota, yeah. um, I, I don't even know how to... Do the numbers because you know I'm so bad at math. So it's a thousand, <laughs> these are in thousand in thousand pounds. So one point three four million thousands of pounds. I don't know. Isn't that a billion? I don't know. It's a lot of sunflowers. And then in South Dakota, you are um 30,0 thousand behind them in pounds of sunflower production. So again, this is math this morning. So if there's like a fourth grader listening who knows how to do that, you can text in as well mm-hmm. and help me with my math. Minnesota comes in third, but like way, way down. Like It's clearly North Dakota and South Dakota who are the country's leaders in this. But Minnesota, Texas, Nebraska, Kansas, Colorado, and California also coming in as the top U.S. states in total sunflower production. Um, Thank you to those of you who wanted me to know. um, Carmen, there is a National Sunflower Association. Thank you so much. Thank you for those of you who wanted me to know that the sunflower plant is actually native to North America. We are the people who should be doing this. Thank you very much. I appreciate all of the input. This is a community effort. You can join the conversation, 877-933-2484. Um, all right, Luke, tell us, uh, tell us why it matters that we actually, like, double-check email addresses before we hit send.
1: Well, you know how, uh, you know, at the end, of, you know, we got .com and .org, and then, you know, some places there's, you know, there's a country code, you know, E-N or F-N, France or whatever, or I think France is F-R. You know, Israel is I-L. You know, it's like that kind of stuff. Well, Mali is M-L. And occasionally, people in the military, when they're rushing to get out that email, will will <laughs> accidentally not include an I, and it and they'll send the email to .dot .ml. And the problem is is that uh, Mali is an is a an ally of Russia is a major actually the you know the Wagner Group, which is the mercenaries that uh, uh, have been helping the Russians, have basically are are to some extent the special forces of Mali. I mean, they they fight in Mali all the time, and this this all came about because there was a there was a Dutch you know firm that was responsible for the DOP dot ML Mali's. Uh, basically web infrastructure and he's been spending the last decade warning the uh, u.s military hey you're sending your stuff over here to (laughs) dot ml and and his contract ends this month and so he was like Ah. hey one more time just let you know this is a problem and it's stuff like you know, the hotel room number that the uh you know mm. chiefs of staff will be staying at in his hotel in, in Indonesia. You know, mm. that kind of stuff. And it's uh, you know, listen, I I I too have not always fully, you know, sent out a correct uh, email. But it's it's a little disconcerting to uh you know the consequences of my email misdirection is just the notification from Microsoft that that email, you know, that address doesn't work.
0: It didn't go through. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it didn't go through. The consequences for for this is a little more serious.
0: Carmen at myfaithradio.com. dot com. Carmen at myfaithradio.com. dot com. I don't know why people are using other email addresses.
1: Yeah. <laughs> no, just- I. I mean,
0: just just talk to me. I mean, you know. There you go i can't i can't know, get you is, i cannot get you a hotel room in indonesia like that i cannot do <laughs> I, yeah that's way beyond my pay grade um yeah. luke what else uh what else are you thinking about today man are you thinking about the morality police in iran apparently they're back in action they are did back. you know they are yeah back. could you i know this isn't on our list of things to talk about but you know sometimes things come to mind
1: i know but what the you know i mean they weren't really gone but oh. they you know they took a break you know they mm. they They, you know, I mean, the morality police is the people who go around and just make sure the women have their head covered, and it's and it's mostly actually women uh, who Mm. are leading, who 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 make up the morality police, Uh, and they're, you know, they see a woman walking down the street without her head covering, and they'll go like basically smack her across the face, and you know, probably call her names, whatever the. Mm. You know, bad names in Ukrainian or Iran, Iranian is, uh, you know, so that's unfortunate. I mean, there was I, I uh, unfortunately, I add uh, Iran to another to the list of of failed uh, revolutions in mm. the last uh, mm. decade. I just don't I like.
0: You were really hopeful. Just, you were you were really I hopeful was, that, was. that God was. was gonna raise up um you know, a leader from within that yeah. would capture that would that people would rally behind. And so yes. the rallies in Iran, um, you know, in relationship to the desire of the people to have greater freedom, um, you were very, very hopeful that a leader would emerge, but a leader has not emerged.
2: No.
1: No. And I and at this point I, I you know it's, I, I don't see it happening anytime soon. Back to my, you know, usual pessimism on, on uh, international, like social revolutions. It just, it's really hard. It is just really hard um, in this day to lead a revolution against your nation. I mean, we, at some point, we're going to figure this out, but right now we're not because, because there's so much, uh, the, the, the media infrastructure and the, um, you know, the, our dependence on things like, you know, water and electricity, I just think make it much harder for revolutions to kind of come out like against the government in a, in a very, very effective way, because all that stuff's controlled and, you know, you might have a, you know, stand morally with, uh, you know, with, the people marching in the streets, but you actually really want your cell phone powered, you know? Yeah, no, totally. And, and um, you know, that's how you communicate. And then the government locks that down too. And so we're, it's going to get figured out at some point, but it will be, and it will be, you know, it'll be bloody, I think, at that point. But this, you know, I was, I, I was sad. I'm sad. I had yeah. hoped for a, a new Iran, but we have the same one.
0: Well, we're going to, um, we'll continue to pray with you on that front. For those of you uh, who want to find Luke, he's the de- deputy director of the Philos Project. He also spent uh, 12 years um, working for Youth with a Mission. So those of you who are YWAM fans and are praying this summer for everybody in Kona being trained. Um, yeah, Luke has a has a real passionate heart for, um, for those uh, folks and what they're doing and how they're doing it. So, hey, Luke, as always, thank you so much, brother.
1: Appreciate it, Carmen. Thanks. Yeah.
0: Absolutely. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. All right. Lori has offered uh, her answer to the question about, you know, summer, um, summer food favorites. She's offered her recipe, family recipe in here on this uh, Taste and See Tuesday. You can do the same. What gets your mouth watering during the summer. Let me know and, uh, and give me the recipe if you've got it. 877-933-2484. Macaroni salad, Lori says. It's elbow macaroni with tuna, mayonnaise, tomatoes, and cucumbers. Of course, you can add celery and onion if you want, but she is a purist. Lori, thank you so much for that contribution. I'm not sure that that's macaroni salad or if that's tuna salad with macaroni. Mm -hmm. We could start a debate um, on that as well. All right, we've got another hour of Mornings with Carmen up next. Uh, I'm going to really encourage you to think about what you're thinking about. Consider how you're living um, and give this day to the Lord in very, very particular ways, moment by moment, agreeing to cooperate with the Holy Spirit at work within you, um, that you would be more fully conformed to the image of Christ. We'll be right back.